Welcome to the OmniTalk Ask an Expert series. I'm your host, Ann Mazinga. And I'm Chris Walton. And we're the founders of OmniTalk, a content platform dedicated to researching and talking to the people, companies, and the technologies shaping the future of retail. Now, as consumers increase their adoption of e-commerce, BOPIS, click and collect, whatever you want to call it, uh, contactless payments, retailers are constantly having to pivot to handle the new kinds of fraud that are associated with these kinds of behaviors. Now, we're starting a new vertical, Chris, within our Ask an Expert series. We are. Yes, this is a pretty big deal and something that I like to call the true crime of retail. It is, yeah. No, I'm pretty excited to have Signified, uh, who you'll hear from in a minute, as part of our Ask an Expert series, because fraud prevention is definitively on the rise. In fact, if you read their new uh, state of fraud report for 2021, it's actually exploded quite rapidly here over the last year since the pandemics began. And we had the, we had Indy Guha on before, and now they're joining us again, and just tons of insight to, to give us on that subject matter. So I couldn't be more thrilled. Yes. Well, today we brought in an expert from Signify. Awesome. This guest with us today is Senior Vice President of Operations and Corporate Development, the one and only Bennett. Bennett, welcome to the show. How are you doing today? I'm doing well. Thanks so much. Really excited. And um, you're, we, we internally call it crime and cocktails hour in our audience. <laughs> so you're on brand already. It's great. Awesome. Awesome. Now, Bennett, before we get started here, I got, I got, we got to get something out of the way because I think you already have had the most unique introduction in the history of the Talk show being introduced as Bennett. Uh, so for those listening, you know, Bennett is, you know, in the, in the realm of Prince or Sting or Madonna, or Madonna you know, people that go by one name. Sure. I mean, he may be a legend in the fraud prevention arena, but I, I, I meet him for the first time. So, and you know, he's there, I ask an expert, so we are trying to learn from him. So Bennett, how does one, I'm just curious, how does one get the status to go by one name? Well, first off, your surname needs to be really cool, like okay. Ben, okay. and then you just say, I'm anonymous now, and this is what you call me. There you go. You're done. <laughs> There's got to be a backstory there. Like, how did this start? <laughs> sure. I mean, played varsity sports, you know, decades ago, and um, I okay. actually did Teach for America in the Bronx. I taught eighth grade special education math, and I think that's probably where it was solidified. So my students called me Bennett, and I just adopted it. I said, all right, let's, let's go. Let's run with that. It works. Not- Nice. And now you got this big job at a company. And so I imagine at the interview process, that's got to be a little awkward. Like, do you let them know in the interview or do you like kind of slowly you do. let this roll with you as you go into the, into the company and you start working? How's that work? Yeah. So skipping ahead a little bit, I actually knew the founders of Signified for a while. I was their outside counsel for a number oh, okay. of years. Okay. So we'll, we'll get to that in a moment, but um, I specifically negotiated having my email handle, just my name at Signified, which is which is not in operation code for Signified. So yes, you do have to think about it. Got it. So they were already they were already well you know informed on the whole Bennett thing when they hired you, right? So they, they were right. up to speed That's on right. that whole game. Awesome. And right. if you're gonna be like basically one of the top experts in fraud prevention, this story needs to have a character leading it with a name like Bennett. Yeah, it's pretty impressive. It's pretty, uh, I, I gotta say, this is pretty unique, man. Kudos to you for pulling it. that off. I've got, I've got, I've got some admiration already just as I'm sitting here. This is, <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't think I could ever pull that off. And you're just going to call me Walton from now on. That's never going to happen. Gonna happen. It's not going to work. I, I do want to hear, you kind of alluded to it earlier, but I'd love to, before we get into the state of fraud report and the research around that. I'd love to get a little bit more of your background um, and how you got into the industry of fraud prevention. 
Yeah. So um, as I mentioned, I was an attorney in a prior life. I've, okay. I've done a few things, but um, I represented a lot of crypto clients, payments clients. I did investments and acquisitions for Salesforce and Google and Tesla. Hmm. So uh, practice at Wilson Cincinnati in Palo Alto. So lots of venture capital experience, lots of payments um, kind of uh, adjacent to and uh, Raj Ramanan, the co-founder, and uh, Mike Liberty, another co-founder, came from PayPal, and they started this neat company um, that I called PayPal in the Wild. And mm-hmm. so I said, "All right, well, let's figure this out." I was not super convinced about the business model. We offer a liability shift, which scared me quite a lot um, based on what I knew. But um, they're experts. They built a really cool company. And um, after American Express invested and Bank Capital invested, I was like, okay, I'll, uh, I'll accept your offer. Um, I'll come in on a, and see what I can do. So I joined at maybe 70 employees today. We're closer to 400 and on four continents. So it's been a crazy journey. Explain what you mean by that too. For those listening or maybe are new, new to this topic as well. What do you mean when you said liability shift? Yeah. So in unlike in a retail environment in a store where you might put a chip and pin or more modernly, you might tap your card. If someone is stealing your card in that instance, the bank is liable for that. Online, the dynamic is very different, where if you take an order from someone who is using a stolen credit card, the retailer is responsible for that. So that's really, really, really hard for retailers to tell who's a good person and who's not based on the very thin information you have when you're checking out. So in this instance, Walmart in store is covered by Bank of America, but Walmart online needs somebody like Signify to help them make that decision. Wow. Hmm. I had no idea that was how that worked. And until 20 years, I had no idea that there was that delineation. That's fascinating. Well, and especially I think with all these changing payment methods too, and just the, and the speed that things are happening now. I mean, I remember when we um, first interviewed Indy Guha, the CMO at Signified, and he was telling us just, you know, we, we don't think about it as customers when we're ordering things and it has to be ready in two hours. We have no idea, you know, what has to go into it from the retailer's perspective. And I'd love for you, Bennett, to maybe call out a few of the, the new kinds of fraud that are happening. Like, what should we know as a retail audience, but maybe even as customers and just people like what's going on out there? Yeah. So you alluded to the, the physical, incredible Herculean feat of getting an order placed online, yes. ready in a store, pick, pack and shipped in an hour right? so that someone can physically put it in a bag and into your car. The the fact that that happens ever is astounding to me. And buy online pickup in store two years ago, less than a percentage point of traffic that we see, it's 300%, 400% year over year, two years on now. It's just incredible growth. And so the the consumers have demanded it because they like it. You think about it. I'm, you know, I'm a soccer mom. I want to go stop by Walmart after I'm picking up all the things and the orange juice and all that kind of stuff. I need to have it. And I need it then. And I don't have time to go into the store. You know what? COVID, I don't want to go in the store. I don't want to put on my mask. I want someone to safely put it in the back of my car for me. So consumers have really driven that demand. And I a hundred percent agree with you the consumers don't realize how expensive that is to do and how difficult that is for retailers. So 
we're seeing folks like Target and Walmart and Best Buy, folks with really established physical presences do quite well. And maybe direct to consumer folks like maybe a Rothy's that was opening up stores have some interesting questions like, well, is my backend even connected to my online channel? How do I just right. coordinate all of this? There's 10 positions of with departments under them to actually make buy online pickup in store work, several of which are in payments, several of which are in customer success, several of which are in fraud and risk and trust and safety. And I think that retailers are kind of waking up out of the COVID haze and being like, oh, I if I'm going to do this, I need six new teams, right? If I'm going to do it correctly. So it it's really astounding, um, the yeah. logistics. Yeah, or better processes too, right? Or better technology too, in addition to yeah. just throwing people at it, which is the typical retailer response that we've seen throughout history. But I want to make sure people hear something too, because if I listen to what you've just said and play it back for you, my big takeaway so far is that, you know, given the liability that the retailers face that you discussed before, given the growth in just e-commerce in general, but now the growth of buy online, pick up and store, which is predominantly an e-commerce transaction, that means the risk of fraud is greater. The risk overall for the retail industry is greater in terms of fraud than it was before. Am I hearing you right on that? You're exactly right. The surface area of, we call them card not present transactions in the industry is expanding, right? So I call in, I place an order uh, over the phone. 65 plus year olds that maybe never have done that before in their life, they, they do it now and they're giving their credit card over the phone. That's a fraud vector where the retailer is liable. Online commerce, absolutely, yes, for sure. Apps, mobile apps, like actually having an app from that anywhere. Um, and even some um, sometimes gas stations, right, are now accepting mobile wallets. That's a card not present transaction. Wow. Even if you're physically at the pump, it's super interesting. The surface area for card not present, where the liability is on whoever's selling the good or service, skyrocketing. Wow. And that brings up another question too, Bennett. Like we look at all of these 15 minute or less delivery companies, like, you know, gorillas. Like I think we, we were just talking about like maybe two hours or less or an hour or less, but like now you, I mean, you're saying essentially, right. That these retailers are all responsible then for all of the transactions that are happening fraudulent or not. Yeah. Some of my best and favorite examples are Lacoste and the books, two completely different examples. You wouldn't even think of them in this, in this crunch of like time to delivery. Okay, I'm in New York, yes. I'm you know, landing and I have three hours. I spilled some coffee on my polo. I'm going to Paris, I need to get a new polo. I place an order, I go to a Lacoste store, that shipment, that my particular polo with my size and everything is pre-filled and it'll cost. I had that order has to be ready for me to pick, be pick up in less than an hour. There is no time for human intervention. Right. So what Signify does for Lacoste is we say, yep, it's good. We guarantee it. You can get that bag ready so that I, when I'm leaving from the airport, get my polo and go back. Now I'm, you know, ready for my meeting in Paris. That type of thing happens 5% of the time, 10% of the time in terms of human stories, right? People need to buy things when they need to buy them and they want it to be convenient. You cannot, if you're Lacoste, take a look at 10% of your orders and try to figure out, should you do this or not? It's a horrible customer experience. You can't manage your inventory. You can't get the order ready. It's incredibly difficult to do it with human beings. You, it's the only way you can do it at scale when you're growing is with machine learning from that perspective. 
The Books is another example of that. They're a farm to table for fresh flowers, right? From that perspective, right. you might've gotten something for Mother's Day recently or et cetera. There is no time. They, they get the order. It literally goes to the farm. It gets cut. You, you have to deliver the flowers fresh or else the business model doesn't work. So really a lot of the technology is, of course, it's scary, right? Because, you know, that opens you up for risk, but mm-hmm. also the technology enables some really cool businesses and it also enables some really beautiful customer experiences. And so what we're seeing is that folks that adopt the technology and can scale are winning and getting market share from that perspective. They're really embracing this. I'm going to, I'm going to race with Amazon and I'm going to offer awesome customer experiences and I'm going to win. Yeah. I mean, it's not like it's going to slow down the demand to get things quickly. Right. I mean, it just continues to accelerate each and every day. And yeah, I remember, you know, previous to the conversation, previous conversation we've had too, like that you alluded to there too. Yeah. There's also a revenue optimization here angle to this and not just the, the, the fraud prevention side of it too as that kind of activity continues to proliferate. But let's talk, let's, let's click into a little bit more. So, you know, as this has all been happening with the pandemic and online commerce has been, you know, growing by leaps and bounds in all different ways, shapes and form, whether direct to consumer or by curbside pickup or whatnot. What are some of the new tactics you're seeing, you know, people deploy, you know, in this arena? I, I know one that caught my attention in the, in, the, in the state of fraud report was this idea of mule fraud. What the hell is mule fraud? Yeah, it's an evocative name, isn't it? It is. Um, yeah. So in in this instance, let's let's say I'm going. To, pardon. I, hopefully you'll forgive me. I'm going to convince you to be a mule for me. Okay. Okay. Right. Yes. Absolutely. Right. I've so, always wanted to be a mule for yes. someone, especially for you, because you have one name. Perfect. So let's go. I know. We, I know. We just made it, but I've I've charmed. It, so great. So I, um, I trust you. It's fine. Then I'll do anything for you at this point. Yes. Let's do it. That okay. You joke. That's exactly how mule fraud works. Right. I'm a fraudster. I have my business. Here's my business. I turn things like credit cards or promotional balances or, um, you know, unique items, or I live in Hong Kong and I have a price differential of mainland China. I've created some kind of economic benefit for myself and I now need to exploit it. So I'm going to turn that economic benefit into cash. So that's one of the things I have all these inputs. Now, the next thing that I need is I need a mule who will wittingly or unwittingly for love, for trust, for hopefully maybe money because you think you're going to get something as part of a job. I convince you somehow to go pick up something for me and then ship it to me in, say, Hong Kong or Nigeria or I'm, uh, you know, I'm a service member and I'm, you know, in station in the D.C. area and I want you to ship it to me there. Stories are multiplicative from that perspective, but it all comes down to winning the trust of you, the mule. So I then would say, okay, I have this credit card. I need you to buy this for me. And I would love for you to ship it to me at this address. Don't worry. You don't have to pay for a thing. And while you're at it, why don't you just go ahead and get yourself a nice ring or get yourself your own bouquet of flowers or I've sent you flowers, I've won your heart, and now you're like, okay, well, I'll go ahead and buy these Samsung phones for you, and I'll ship them somewhere else. Mm. So it's social engineering to the max, but mule fraud, all of it, is at its core winning the trust of someone and then exploiting that trust to become very clean, a real consumer to the retailer. 
keep in mind, the retailer has to say in every single transaction, should I ship this or not to this human being? Right. Well, you're, you're a real human being. I could be whoever I am, wherever I am in the world. I've got your trust. I leverage my social engineering of you into you getting trusted by the retailer. Right. Well, and there was, there was a, there was an example that you guys share in the report of a single mother in Philadelphia that when I read oh. it, it almost made me, it almost made me cry. Oh. Like these are terrible she stories. She was being used as a mule. Like explain that story for everyone. Absolutely. So the, the mule fraud is really intriguing, but it's, it's, you know, these are sociopaths, right. In, in many ways is the behavior. And so you this particular example that you're referencing, you know, a single mother in COVID, right has a four-year-old, you know, child wants to be providing for her family. And so she, you know, is looking online, how can I work from home? Lands on a site that appears to be offering a way for her to be kind of, maybe you're a, you know, a secret shopper. People, right. that's a real thing, right? Yeah, that's, that's a real, real job. Industry. Yeah. It's, right. it's, it's actually something that you do. So she finds a site that, you know, is basically saying, go buy these things leave a customer review, send the goods to this address because, and don't worry, like we'll return it back to the retailer. It doesn't really matter. She trusts this business and she's going to get paid for it. Yeah, she, she get paid at the end of it, right? hundred percent. She goes through an interview process. She gets vetted. It looks very legitimate. You know, I, you know, if I were, you know, kind of looking at something, I'd say secret shopping is a real industry. I've heard of that. I know that's a thing. This is not like, um, you know, uh, oh, send me a gift card, right? right. Kind of stuff. Right. Where you're yeah. like, okay, all right, maybe you shouldn't do that, yeah. right? This is, feels very legitimate, um, you know, to, to this and many other people. Right. So, you know, months go by, doesn't get paid, does her good work. And then all of a sudden, these people shut down their site, can't can't get a hold of them. Maybe that one person did thousands, tens of thousands of dollars worth of damage to retailers without even knowing it and wasted her time and was really trying to, you know, make a living for herself. These stories are tragic um, yeah. for sure. Then they just walk out. They just, you know, walk out the door on her. Now, how do you guys, how do you guys help prevent that? That would be my question for you. Yeah. So the way that you can prevent mule fraud, you have to think about signa, uh, signified as a consortium, right? So we work with the largest retailer in the world and then some of the largest marketplaces in the world, and then all the way down to mom and pop shops that are on Shopify, right? So we have lots of different visibilities, windows into this type of behavior. So let's take that mule fraud example. <clears throat> I might say, I want you to go steal this type of smartphone, or I want you to go get me this type of ring, right? For example, well, Signified has a very good view into consumer electronics, into jewelry, into gold, all of these like things that are very easily turned into money. Okay. And so when a mule places an order, on this site and then that site and then that site and then that site in our network. It's like, hmm, how is someone who is a single parent in this type of you know, economic environment buying $10,000 worth of items in a week? Right. How is that happening? So Something different behavior on. on items that are typically purchased 100%, in this manner. 100%. And using different credit cards, right? Mm -hmm. So that's just very, very strange, right? From that perspective, because keep in mind, the fraudsters are providing these mules with the financial instrument to place the order, right? So 
But the key is a single retailer sees one good order, maybe right. two good orders. Right. Mm-hmm. Okay, so like it doesn't look like a bot. So it's hundred percent. You always hear, right? Yeah. hundred percent. Exactly. Yes. So the, the key, the reason that this is worth the fraudster's time is because the likelihood of the order going through is much higher because this mule is a real person. You're a mule person. I'm kind of taking advantage of that, um, of that uh, identity that you have that is real, that you can find on the internet from that perspective. Well, Bennett, what are retailers doing? Because I know I've heard some of these big box retailers, they're, they're kind of shifting their teams. They're, you know, turning into fraud analysts. They're not just, you know, the old fraud or assets protection teams. What are the, what are the retailers doing to try to identify this? And how, how is Signified helping them? Like, how do they bring you in? What is that looking like right now? Yeah, so the the change in this particular profession, you're absolutely right. We're seeing it for sure. And the reason is because you have to rise to meet your opponent, right? Right. So one of the things that I mentioned I did investments and acquisitions for Google, at the time, they were working on um, image recognition, machine learning, right? Right. Well, the pixels aren't really fighting you. Once you figure out that this is a dog, okay, all right, you've kind of solved that technology. Right. This machine learning is different, right? The pixels are fighting you here, right? And they're active. These are deep fakes, right? You create synthetic identities. You're trying to steal from this. So a human, um, a really, really large retailer, right? I, I can't say who, but a really, really large retailer had a huge team of people, right? And they're manually going through literally like yeah. a screen of glass looking at these orders. Well, if you're competing with Amazon, you can't do that, right? right. From that perspective, right. Right. all the reasons that we just discussed, that's not really feasible anymore. So what they're doing is they're turning to data, right? And then they're turning to folks like Signified that have a consortium of data that allows them to look at a much bigger picture than their own data. Because the fraudsters aren't, I mean, they're criminals, right? So they don't care about borders. They don't care about accounts. They don't care, like they have a business to run and they will do whatever they can in order to to prevent that. So retailers will, if they're growing, if they have incredible sales, if they're trying to, um, you know, launch into new geos, they're trying to provide these, you know, strategic customer experiences in order to stay relevant in today's market. You're doing any one of those four things, just growing, right. <laughs> you have to use technology, right. Um, in order to be able to sift between what should I do? Should I allow this person to create an account? That's a really hard question. It's a really hard question to answer instantly. Should I ship this item or not? It's a really important question and you better get it right because otherwise you're going to be liable. Should I allow this return or not? Or is it going to come back with a box? Should I, should I allow the customer to have a really good, beautiful customer experience? I'm, I've put it back in. Well, you, here's your money back. You already have it. Or do I have to make that person wait? before I receive it. You can modulate all of these very hard, should I questions using machine learning and something like Signified. Well, and I think that the question that that brings up for me is, you know, we talk about what the economic impact of fraud is for the retailer. And at first we think it's, it's the things that you just mentioned, but it's also what the impact of those teams are that you're, you're still having to have teams working manually on trying to make these decisions what does that look like for retailers? You talk a little bit about it in the state of fraud report, but like what kind of numbers are we talking here, Bennett? 
Yeah, we're talking huge numbers. So the the actual losses themselves of oh okay well this is a fraud chargeback I have a, a debit from my in my bank account with with my my, my uh, acquiring bank that's call it seventeen billion the fear of that seventeen billion is four hundred billion so I just want to talk Unreal. about people talk about the yeah what losses. does that mean explain that to me Sorry, yeah. take me through that what did you mean there. Sure. So the, you know what a chargeback is? Yep. Yes. Okay. So an actual chart, like let's, let's go through this. All right. I'm, I need to buy a flight and I need to go down to Sao Paulo to open up our Latin American offices. All right. So I'm currently in, I don't know, Madrid because I'm meeting with some of my team there. So that's a weird order, right? Okay. I've got yeah. my American Amex. I'm, I'm like needing to reroute. So I might go through 3DS because I'm in Europe. And so then maybe my order gets routed and I actually get authenticated. Let's say that I'm not really me this whole time. It's been somebody who's stolen my card. Okay, that liability will go to the airline because they sold me a ticket. I, real Bennett sitting here in Palo Alto would say, that wasn't me, that's a chargeback. Okay, so that would be, let's call it a hundred bucks. Okay. A hundred bucks for that flight, that loss, turns into $300 worth of loss in associated cancellation fees, disputes with the bank, human beings trying to do all that. There's this halo right. effect of the loss. So, re- so the airlines are like, holy crap, I really need to make sure this decision is right. So in this actual hypothetical example, maybe that order gets declined. So that because of fear of fraud, I can't tell if it's a real right. person or not. I'm not going to take the risk because I don't want to lose that 300 bucks. Well, what if Bennett is actually in Spain and does actually want to go to Sao Paulo? And then I don't buy from that airline and I buy from another airline instead. That first airline has lost the entirety of the sale. And because of that fear of fraud, that's way bigger of an economic loss because you can't tell. So the loss itself might be 300, but in that entire day, you might have lost $2,000 worth of ticket sales because you said no to real people who wanted to buy from you. Yeah, we're kind of looking at a moving target as an industry here, so to speak. Um, wow. Well, you said I, that, that was a fabulous explanation, too. I mean, it makes just complete sense that you absolutely have to do this with technology, given everything that's happening. You I have want to, to go back. Yes, you're right. You have to get it right. Yeah, you have to get it right. Right. And that's the only way you're going to do it. You can't do it with a human. Like there's just too many things to process. I want to go back to something else you said, too, that I caught that I thought was really interesting. Um, you, you, you mentioned or, or you mentioned that I was thinking, too you started talking about returns and there have been a lot of companies now pitching the fact that if you return the product to us, we'll give you an instant credit. Yes. I've always thought that that's probably a ripe, ripe opportunity for fraud. Is, is that true? Do you have any examples of crazy things people are doing in, in that arena and Absolutely. how you guys are trying to prevent that? What, um, what rating is your podcast? Cause it can get pretty vulnerable. Oh, it's, it's, it's as explicit as you want, Bennett. Yeah, no, I mean, for sure. Human feces. For sure, like we'll come oh, back wow. in boxes. Yeah, like oh my God. I actual, the actual excrement. 
my brother got a log when he ordered a Louis Vuitton bag one time. I thought that was bad, but yeah, yeah that but, is worse. That is the yeah, worst thing. Yeah. yeah. So explain that. Cause I mean, like, so basically what you're saying is people are just returning <laughs> literal shit yes. or, yes. you know, at a given, I mean, sometimes they're even approximated to the weight of the package, right? To you're then, exactly. That's, to, that's this crazy part is you will have like a rock. Let, let's, let's not be vulgar. Uh, okay. Yeah. You, you buy a Fitbit, right? Okay. Yeah. And you, you're returning it you return a rock that weighs as much as the, the Fitbit would, would weigh, right? Because yeah. it's a constant game of, uh, you know, cat and mouse here, right? So the professional fraudsters are like, gosh, there's so much technology. It's really hard to get through. Let me social engineer and get this mule to buy for me. Right. Okay, well, I actually have to use a real credit card and a real identity. Let me then, okay, I, that's getting shut down. Okay, well, let me use a real identity, real payment, then return a rock, right? right? You see like how like they shift yeah. their tactics. It's like, they don't care. Like this is right. a business. I need the item. I don't care how I get it as long as I get it and I don't pay for it, mm-hmm. right? From that perspective. I'm, they're using that economic, whatever they're turning into, into the actual good. Mm-hmm. So you buy the Fitbit, you then return a rock. You tell Fitbit, hey, I put it in FedEx. FedEx weighs it, right? They didn't used to weigh it. Now they weigh it. And so then like, okay, well then fine. I'll just add a rock that's about the same weight. So you see this constant iteration that the fraudsters will take to convince people, just give me the refund. And does that open the door for more just everyday public fraud too? I mean, we've been talking about these sophisticated rings, but I got to think like Susie Smith or John Q. Public could easily take advantage of that if they wanted to. Abusive tweens who have access to their parents' (laughs) payments information that don't want to get caught. And then they do get caught. And then they're like, Oh, well, I can't get rid of my makeup because I opened it, but mom and dad don't want to pay for it. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Oh, right. Abusive right. tweens sounds like a 90s like girl. <laughs> punk band. I feel like abusive tweens with Bennett. Yeah. Live at seven. <laughs> um, but, but anyway, we, we digress. But yeah. but no, but it's true. Right. I mean, that yeah, and you guys are seeing that in the data. Right. Like, I think absolutely. I think I remember reading like something like. 30% of people are claiming they've actually made a fraudulent claim to retailers based on yeah, yeah. something like knowingly saying, or unknowingly too. Like, yeah. I mean, I but think- like, you know, it's like saying they, they re- didn't, re- they didn't receive a package when they know they did and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. But your point is Absolutely. that you want to catch this up front, right? You don't want to catch it on the back end where you're having to go through more steps to weigh out the package or open the package and do no. QA on that. Your, yeah. your point is you want to catch it up front. Am I hearing the, that the, right? the retailer has to offer a beautiful customer experience, right? Right. And so that is, that is exactly, that is always the goal, right? And so if you can use data to say, hey, this person can have a free return, I'm not going to charge them for shipping. Hey, this person can get a credit right as soon as they give me the shipping label. Great. Enable that. This person can get cash, right? They can right. get a payment back to their card or not. You have to really, really, really think about the at all of these should I decision points. How do I win in customer experience? And how much am I losing because of fear of loss? And it's really hard because if you think about as you get larger in retailers, the trade-off of those sits in different departments, right? Finance cares about one thing. Marketing cares about another thing. Customer success cares about another thing. And so it's very difficult to stitch all of those wings into a single platform that has a view from the time that you, did you buy this person from Facebook or Twitter or, uh, you know, kind of my own email marketing campaigns to, did they send me shit? 
in the return box or not. Right. That visibility is nearly impossible for anybody, a retailer to do. And so those are really, really hard decisions. Well, Bennett, uh, the holidays are coming up and I know that this is like an even worse time for fraud um, because people for many reasons, one or another are trying to make sure that their loved ones get gifts. But I know, especially last year when people weren't together during the pandemic, you had a lot of, of conflicts in shipping address versus billing address. Can you tell us a little bit about um, what you guys put into this report as you are forecasting for the holiday season and what retailers uh, should be looking for when when we're faced with this kind of fraud? So the hard part about fraud during holidays or any elevated volume season, so forget the holidays, maybe COVID bump, right? Or a new product launch. So we can generalize a little bit more than that, but let's, let's talk about this upcoming holidays. Fraudsters, abusive folks will attack sites at higher levels, but there are even better, more good customers that just want to buy gifts. And people look like they're new people who might be fraudsters and you can't tell. The fear of the loss is most acute when your volume spikes because let's assume that you haven't gotten with the times and you don't have technology in place and you still have a team. Well, I used to have to review 100 orders. Now I have to review 500 orders. There's no way I'm going to get that answer right. If, I'm, if I've, you've quintupled my workload and I only have maybe double the people, right? It just, it, it just does not work. And so the fear of fraud or the fear of loss oftentimes gets heightened. And so your, what should be your highest peak gets blunted, right? And I can assure you, if someone wants to buy a gift and you don't sell it to them, they will go to a competitor because they have to get the gift. Right. They know what they're trying to buy. This is, you know, it's it's discretionary, but it's like it's focused, right? It's it's a super critical time to capture new users. We know from all of the data that folks are buying online or over the phone for the first time. The influx of new folks that are willing to buy online in a card not present environment has shifted older, has shifted younger, has shifted more rural, has shifted all ways that might be different from previous TAMs for these retailers. And so it's really, really critical to have some scalable solution in place to say yes confidently to hit your shipping deadlines. And so I think the way that I like to think about it is, um, you know, folks that have like flash sales adopt technology like signified earlier because they have to. Right. Folks that are in holidays realize, oh, I should have something like signified in place. Let's do it in January. (laughs) Right. And so the best people are like, oh, let's do it now so that we're ready for the holidays. Right. Um, I think that in terms of like specific things that these fraud analytics or, you know, um, kind of manual review teams should look at is synthetic identities are on the rise. The, the sophistication of fraudsters to create whole cloth using a child's social security number with a real name and a real identity and a credit card that no one is going to be traced back to for 20 years. It's, I don't know, I, I pity the retailer that's trying to figure all of that out, plus the mule fraud, plus all the things that we talked about on their own. It, it, it's impossible. It is a, is a Sisyphean task. You figure out one thing and then another one comes for sure. Right. Well, wow. Bennett, can you mention that like retailers could, you know, get ahead of this. 
can do they have time? Like, it, could they call you right now yeah. and be yes. like, I just heard this podcast <laughs> coming, I'm freaking yes. out, man. Yes. What do I yes. do? Um, what, what do they, what do they need to do to like move on this and how quickly could yeah. they get something like this in place? Yeah. So we're August 31st. Yeah. Um, and, and so I can tell you that we, we went live with one of the largest grocery chains in the world in a month and a half. Nice. So okay. it can, it can be done. It can be done. Like you need to, you need to hurry, but like yeah. it yeah. could be done. Right. Yeah. Um, and you know, if you're a small mom and pop and you're on Shopify or big commerce or Magento, forget small mom and pop, you're on Magento, Shopify or big commerce. I don't care the size, you know, you could get installed and, and running in a matter of weeks. So yes, right. there's plenty of time. Um, uh, but the bigger you are, the, the more you should be thinking about it. So well, that's why we do what we do. That's why we do this whole series, asking experts to understand exactly what is coming down the pike for holiday season. I mean, I love what you said. The fear of loss is most acute when the volume spikes. I think I'm going to think I'm going to quote you on that a few times over the next I'll few months. Yeah, that's, we both wrote that it's a pretty great quote. We both, oh, you did too. Yeah. yeah, no, I did too. I really typed <laughs> it in right as you said it. I thought it was great. But yeah, I mean, that's why we do what we do. That's I mean, that's why Ann and I do this. We love what we do. We love talking retail and we want to help retailers you know, understand the issues that are out there at a different level through a more, you know, I'd say, you know, somewhat more intellectual conversation about the issues that are at play from the perspective of real retailers who, you know, Anna and myself have lived through this. So yeah, man, I, I, I thought it was a great discussion today, Ben. Thanks. Thanks. I can't wait to have you on again, man. This was, yeah. this was really enlightening. We're, we're going to call it uh, crime and cocktails next time though, instead Perfect. of ask the expert yeah. maybe. Yeah, I know. I love it. With I, martinis. We, I like it. Yeah. We, we have uh, so many awe-inspiring and like whatever emotional spectrum you want for that show, let me know. I can I can hit those high notes or those low notes. He's a yeah. performer. I mean, yeah. Yeah, yeah, no, you're living up to your your one word name, man. You're a performer from the get-go. I love I it. Try. I try. Bennett, thank you so much for taking the time with us today. Um, if people want to get in touch with you or learn more about Signified and they want to make that call so that they can get this uh, deployed before holiday or before even return season post-holiday, um, where should they go? Yeah, they should go to Signified.com and uh, we operate worldwide. Um, so no matter where your listeners are, we can we can help. That's fantastic. A reminder to our listeners also that we have a copy of the Signified State of Fraud Report now available on Omnitalk.blog, so you can go there to check it out as well. And as always, especially after this conversation, Chris, yeah, my right? goodness, retailers, customers, mules, right. be careful out there. Yeah.